Good morning, everybody. Are you glad that some nobody came along and told you who was a member of everybody about somebody one day? Yeah, you ain't a fooling me with that. I said, are you glad that when some nobody came to you when you was dead in your trespasses and sins on your way to a Christless hell for all of eternity with no hope in sight? Are you glad that some nobody came along and told you who was part of the everybody about somebody named Jesus? Amen. Give, make some noise. Clout, Marvin. Amen. It's January the 5th, 2020. I'm surprised that Jesus did not come back in the last 12 months. I'm very surprised. I am, Barbara. I'm shocked. I'm shocked that Jesus did not come back. I don't know when he is coming. Only the Father knows that truth. But I know he's coming. And he's coming to catch out a prepared people to take them to a prepared place for all of eternity. Where there'll be no more suffering, where there'll be no more sickness, where there'll be no more death, where there'll be no more division, where there'll be no more of the yuck of this life. We're going to spend with God and Jesus for all eternity because of somebody named Jesus. And I, for one, am glad that when I was a little bitty boy, somebody cared enough to share Jesus with me over and over and over again. And I'm very, very, very glad and thankful that the Holy Spirit visited me one day when I was 10 at Vacation Bible School. And he gave me the invitation to become a born-again, spirit-filled child of God. This morning, we're embarking on a new journey. We are going to jump into the gospel according to Luke. And as long as it takes us this year, we're going to go through the book of Luke. Beginning this morning, go ahead and open your Bibles if you will. Open your Bibles to Luke chapter 1. Luke chapter 1. We're going to be reading the first four verses, taking our thought from there. Go ahead and pull out your listening guides, if you will. Follow along. Fill in the blank, pretty please. Fill in the blank. Take these home with you. Continue to study. Continue to study. I'm going to talk with you uh, at the end of the service today about the possibility of us all coming together as the church, as a church, as Hope in Christ Fellowship, and reading through the Bible this year, beginning February 1. We'll take January off. I'm not saying don't read your Bible in January. I'm not saying that. But uh, I have found something that I believe will really bless our hearts and will guide us day by day through uh, the entire Bible beginning February 1st. So be praying about that, be thinking about that, and I'll give you more information on it. But today, today, we're starting in Luke chapter 1, and we're going to be looking at the approaches to witnessing, the approaches to witnessing. Anybody else grow up in the 80s? Uh, watching the A-Team. Y'all remember the A-Team? You remember at the end of the show, every time the, the guy that smoked the cigar, he was the leader of the bunch. Han what was his name? Hannibal. Hannibal. 
Hannibal always said at the end of the show, he'd roll his cigar and he'd say, I love it when a plan comes together. You remember that? I love it when a plan comes together. Uh, I'm going to confess to you this morning, Michelle and I talk about church and we talk about worship, but we made an agreement a long time ago. She agrees not to tell me what to preach and I agree to not tell her what to sing. And it seems like every week God just orchestrates that and brings it all together. That, lo- that last song we just sung, I'm a nobody telling everybody about somebody. Dr. Luke pins down the gospel according to Luke. And he does so to announce the good news of Jesus Christ that a lost and dying world finally has a Savior who can truly forgive their sins, take their sins away, take away the penalty of sin, take away uh, the nature of sin, take away the sting of sin, and everything sin brings into our lives. Jesus finally came and went to the cross of Calvary and shed his blood to set us free from the consequences of sin. Paul wrote in the book of Romans that sin no longer has dominion over you. Now that that doesn't teach and mean that we become sinless after we become born again. But it means because Jesus saved us and redeemed us and placed the Holy Spirit on the inside of us that we can sin less as we follow the leadership of God and the Holy Spirit. Let's read Luke 1. Verses 1 through 4 together this morning. Insomuch as many have undertaken to compile a narrative of the things that have been accomplished among us, what Luke is doing is in his introduction, he's explaining why he's writing what he's writing. Inasmuch as many in the past has undertaken to compile a narrative of the things that have been accomplished among us, who's he talking about? He's talking about the Lord Jesus Christ. Talking about the Lord Jesus Christ. He says, just as those who from the beginning were eyewitnesses, and not only eyewitnesses, but were ministers of the word, have delivered them to us. He says, what there seems to be a habit of is from the beginning of time, God has been speaking to men and has inspired them to write down what they've seen and write down what they've heard. And we have that as a witness in order to allow us to minister the good news of the Lord Jesus Christ. And Luke said, I'm just doing that. God is leading me. God is inspiring me to write down what I've seen and what I've heard. And Luke is a very, very, very reliable source. He's a doctor. It carries some weight, doesn't it? He said, it seemed good to me also, having followed all things closely. In other words, I was on the spot. I seen this. What, what, what he's telling us is, Theophilus, what I'm about to tell you is not secondhand information. Listen, I saw it. I saw him. I saw him. I heard him. I experienced him. It seemed good to me also, having followed all things closely for some time past, to write an orderly account. 
I'm going to put some rhyme and reason to this. We're going to, we're going to go through this chronologically. We're going, to, we're going to start, he says, with, with John the Baptist, the forerunner. And then we're going to look at Jesus Christ and how he was conceived and given birth by a virgin, fulfilling all the Old Testament prophecy of the Messiah. He said, I'm going to write an orderly account for you, most excellent Theophilus, that you may have certainty... Man, we live in a world of uncertainty today, don't we? So many people, so many people on the planet today denying absolute truth. God is truth. The Lord Jesus Christ is truth. This book is truth. And Luke says, listen, I'm going, to be, I'm going to be compelling you to go share what I'm going to write down. But here's what I want you to know. Hey, it's been going on from the beginning of time. People's been seeing things. People's been hearing things. And people's been writing it down as they've been inspired and guided by God to do so. So that we can be certain. So that we can be certain that God is who he says he is. That we can be certain that the Lord Jesus Christ is the promised Messiah. He is the one that will go to the cross and die on the cross. And once he's crucified and buried, he will be resurrected on the third day. And he will leave as he told the disciples in John chapter 14 that he would go away and prepare a place for us. And when he gets that place prepared, he will come again and he'll receive God's family unto himself. That where he is, we will be also for all of eternity. And Luke says, I want you to be certain of these things, that you may be certain concerning the things that you have been taught that I'm writing down for you. So this morning we're going to be talking about how we can further take the mission calls of the Lord Jesus Christ to go into all the world and make disciples. Now, there's only one way to make disciples. God makes disciples, but God uses us nobodies to go out and tell all the everybodies about somebody that can save them for all of eternity. That's the mission of the church. Like I started out a moment ago, we live, and you know we live in a society right here in our own nation, right here in our own state, right here in our own town, our own community of Monterey, Tennessee. We have a, a generation of folks who are, I mean, as confused as a termite in a yo-yo. We live in a society that people genuinely in their minds are so depraved that they can't tell the difference between a man and a woman. That's pitiful. That's pitiful. And the list goes on and on and on. Confused mess, the depravity of the human mind and lost people. Now we ought not to be taking up rocks and throwing at them for being lost and being of a depraved mind and operating out of that. Let's not hate them. Let's not beat them up. Let's give them hope. Let's give them hope. What is hope? Let's give them the message of Jesus Christ. 
who can save them from their sins and forgive them of their sins and deliver them out of that depravity into a close, intimate relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. And then they can spend the rest of their lives here on planet Earth, just like you and me, growing in our knowledge and growing in our relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ until he calls us home. I said a moment ago, January 5th, 2020, the first Lord's Day of this year, we're going to kick it off right and we're going to run it down in the field just as boldly and fearlessly as we can until the Lord comes back. Amen. Let's not be part of the confusion. Let's not be part of the confusion. Christians have not been saved just to go to church. Can I get an amen? amen? Christians have been saved and redeemed. God made disciples out of us so that we will go and make disciples out of others. So that they will go and make disciples of others. That they will go and make disciples of others. So that a whole bunch of nobodies who have met somebody and forever been changed will go and tell everybody else about the Lord Jesus Christ. We've got to move into that line of thinking and that obedient lifestyle as individual Christians, as families, and as a congregation. If we're not going to be disciples who make disciples, maybe we ought to think about doing something else. Well, this morning, here's what we're going to be talking about. We're going to be talking about how Luke has pinned down being inspired of God to instruct us to go share the gospel message with a lost and dying world. We're going to talk about what does it look like for us to be witnesses. What does it look like for us to be witnesses? Well, number one, number one, Luke begins to tell us, and Luke explains when and where we're to go witness. When and where we are to go witness. The Bible is very clear when we are to witness and where we are to witness. Can I share that with you this morning? Number one, let's start at home. I've asked this question a dozen times. I'm going to ask you one more time. How many people in here have lost family members who desperately need to be saved. Hold your hands up high and keep them up for a minute. Now, everybody look around. Everybody look around. How many's got lost family members who need to be saved? Do you understand? Do you understand that it's very difficult to look somebody in the eye and say, I love you, when we're not sharing the gospel with them? I'm not doubting your love for your family, but here's what I'm asking you. The greatest tragedy that will ever occur in their life is if they close their eyes in death and wake up in hell, being tormented in the flame for all of eternity. The only hope they have is for somebody to tell them about the Lord Jesus Christ. I've got lost family members that need to be saved, and they're very difficult conversations. They are. I understand that. But I would much rather have a very difficult conversation here in this world as to 
know that they die without Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, and know that the moment they closed their eyes in death here, they woke up in hell for all of eternity. And that part of the reason they died lost was because I didn't want to have a difficult situation. I didn't want to enter into a difficult situation and share the most wonderful news ever. Now, we've got to make up our mind. Is it the good news? Is it the good news? Is it the greatest news ever? We've got to share it. We've got to share it. And we've got to begin with the people closest to us. We've got to begin with our family. We've got to begin with our family. In Mark's Gospel, chapter 5, verse 18 and 19, as he was getting into the boat, talking about Jesus, Jesus has visited this man who was a lunatic, who was living amongst the tombs, and he was demon-possessed, and he was running around naked, and they chained him up, and the chains couldn't hold him, and Jesus showed up one day, and Jesus set him free. And I want you to look at the... Now listen, he's just snapped out of being demon-possessed. And immediately with no one teaching him. No, he's not been to Bible school, he's not been to church, he's not been to Sunday school. The immediate response of this man coming to know Jesus is Jesus is getting into the boat and the man who had been possessed with the demons begged him, begged him that he might be with him. Jesus, can I please go with you? Is that our heart today? Jesus, because of what you've done for me, Jesus, can I please go everywhere you go? Jesus, can I please do everything that you've done? Jesus, can I be just like you? Please, I don't want to be separated from you for one moment. And Jesus, anything you tell me to do, I'll do it. I'll follow you because I love you, because I owe you not only all of my life, I owe you all of eternity, Jesus, because of what you've done for me. But it says, Jesus didn't permit him, but told him. Now listen, here's the commissioning service. Here's the commissioning services of this man. He said, no, no. I've got more important things to do. Listen, you can spend all eternity with me one day after a while. But between now and then, here's what I need you to do. Listen to what Jesus said. Go home. Go home to your friends. Is your family your friends? I hope so. Go home to your friends and listen to what he told them to tell him. He said, tell them how much the Lord has done for you. Question. Give me a good answer. Give me a hearty answer this morning. Let me ask you a question. Has God done anything for you? Has the Lord done anything for you? Will you share that? Will you share that? It's that simple. It's that simple. What has God done for you? Share that. Share that. Share it again and again and again and again. 
No, go home to your friends and tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how He has had mercy on you. Tell them. Tell them that you was demon-possessed. Tell them that I came and found you in that state. I was looking for you. I sought you out. I found you. I delivered you. I saved you. And I sent you. Go do that. That's what the church is all about. But this is wonderful. I was in the back this morning. I was watching you guys. And, 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 and I cheat like that. I love to worship too. But I love to see my faith family worshiping. I love to hear Emery out sing everybody in the room. I love to see Emery, a little bitty girl, with both hands up toward heaven. Because God has recently sought her out like he sought out this man. God sought her out. He chased her down. And he said, Emery, you're dead in your trespasses and sins, and I want to save you. And that little girl said, yes, Lord, I want to be saved. And God has saved her, and the evidence is there. Church, let's set the example for her. That we used to be a bunch of nobodies. Now we're children of the King. Amen. And that we have, a, we have a calling. We have a mission. We have a purpose of going and telling everybody about somebody who loves them and died for them. That's what this church must be about in 2020. We have no time to waste. You have no time to waste when it comes to your family. You've got to tell them about Jesus. You've got to tell them. Now, not only do we need to be telling our family, but we need to be telling our friends. What good is a friend if a friend lets you live throughout life and you never tell them about the Lord Jesus Christ? Is that a friend? That sounds more like an enemy. If I was driving down Highway 70 to Cookville... And I decided to turn and, and go down Rocky Point Road. And they had one of those bridges that bridges across I-40. And they had that thing cut in half. And they forgot to put signs up. But you knew that I was going to Cookville. And you knew that I was going to take Rocky Point Road. And you knew that I'm a speed demon. And you knew I'd be barreling down Rocky Top Road doing about 60 miles an hour when I ought to be doing about 30. And you knew that as I rounded the curve, I was going to go off over where that bridge used to be down onto I-40 and probably take my own life in the lives of many other people. What kind of friend would you be if you knew that and you didn't warn me? Yeah, I don't want friends like that. Do you want friends like that? But see, everybody that has ever breathed air on planet Earth, many have already passed into eternity, but everybody will pass into eternity. And on the other side of eternity, there's only two destinations. And one is heaven, and one is hell. And the only way out of hell into heaven is through Jesus Christ. He's the only way. He's the only way. In John's Gospel, chapter 1, verse 40 and 42, one of the two who heard John speak and followed Jesus was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. 
he first found his own brother Simon and said to him, We have found the Messiah. The Bible's account, Luke's account, John's account, Mark's account, Matthew's account, they all read the same. Jesus came and found people, loved them, saved them, delivered them, and immediately those who had received Jesus Christ without instruction, just being led of God and led of the Holy Spirit, their first response is, I've got to go tell everybody about Jesus and what He's done for me. That's what's happened right here. One of the two who heard John speak and followed Jesus was Andrew. Andrew is Simon Peter's brother. He first, I mean, right out of the chute, he goes and finds his brother. He goes and finds his friends. He says, listen, we found the Messiah. He's here. You need him like I need him. We're to go to our family. We're to go to our friends. And we're to share the good news with them of what God has done for us, the mercy He has shown to us. We need to go to our family first. Almost 98% of you raised a hand. I got lost family. In 2020, let's share the gospel with them. In 2020, let's put them on the prayer board out here in the lobby. In 2020, let's pray for them relentlessly. Let's pray for them. Let's share the gospel with them. Let's do everything we can do trusting God to save them. Let's let that be the business of 2020. Then we got to go to others. Jesus said, go into all the world. Make disciples. The mission of this church is to love God supremely. To love everybody else as much as we love ourselves. And to give them the hope of Jesus Christ. Beginning with our family. And our friends. And everybody else. And it's not our place to say who deserves it and who doesn't. Acts chapter 17 verse 17. So he reasoned in the synagogue with the Jews and the devout persons and in the marketplace every day. That's the pattern. He's in the synagogue. He's at the church. He's with the religious people. And he's everywhere else. He's out in the marketplace. He's everywhere all the time. And his mission is to share the good news of Jesus Christ. Every day with those who happen to be there. He's not picking and choosing who he shares the good news with. He's telling everybody about somebody who died for them, was resurrected from them for them, and who can save them just like he saved him. When and where? Every day 
everywhere. Who? Family, friends, all others. Everybody with me? How? What are the methods of sharing the good news? What are the methods of witnessing? You saw the video clip. The Hebrew word sounds something like, or the Greek word sounds something like martyr. A witness is someone who has seen and heard. Someone who has experienced what they're sharing. Have you seen and heard Jesus? Have you experienced him? That's what you're to share with your family, with your friends, with others, everywhere, every day. What about the methods of witnessing? We can share our personal testimony. I don't want you to go sharing my testimony because you don't have the credibility to share my testimony. My testimony is mine. Leave it alone. Your testimony. You are the eyewitness of when Jesus Christ invaded your life and put you in a crisis of believing or not believing. You was there. You was an eyewitness. You seen it. You heard it. You experienced it. You know the results of what took place in your life. Share your personal testimony. They know my testimony. Share your testimony again. And keep telling it. And keep telling it. And keep telling it. John chapter 4 verse 29. Hey, come see a man who's told me everything I've ever done. Well, at first, they probably scratched their head and said, this crazy lady, what is she talking about? Hey, gathered an audience, didn't it? Paved the way and gave the opportunity for her to explain it. What are you talking about, lady? You're a Jezebel anyway. You've been with every man around here, and the man you're shacked up with now, he's not even your husband. Why should we listen to you? And I'm sure here's what she said. Here's what she probably said. It's not Bible. I'm just guessing. She probably said, hey, it ain't about you. It ain't about me. I want to tell you about Jesus. Can't you imagine she come out with that? If you'll shut up a minute, I'll tell you about Jesus and everything he just done for me. Yes, that is who I was, but it's not who I am now because I went to the well to get water and this man told me, if you drink of that water, you'll thirst again. But lady, I'm going to give you some water and if you'll drink the water I give you, you'll never thirst again. And I'm going to forgive you of all your sins and I'm going to prepare a place for you in heaven one day and God is seeking people to worship him in spirit and in truth. And guess what? lady I found you today I'm not here by happenstance God the Father planted me here today and sent you here so I could share with you what I can do for you do you want the water that I have to give and she said give me a drink but now Jesus could have been a Baptist Jesus could have just went and sat at the well that day he could have nodded at her. He could have invited her to church. 
Thank God Jesus ain't a Baptist. Thank God Jesus is the Savior. But thank God the Savior found you and the Savior found me and He told us everything we had ever done. And He said, in spite of that, God has sent me to tell you I love you. I'm going to die for you. I'm going to give you the living water and I am the living water and I'm going to carry you home for all of eternity. doesn't matter where you've been and what you've done and what you've been involved in. I am a new way. I'm the way, the truth, and the life and I'm going to go prepare a place for you and I will He'll come back and get you. I promise you, I give you my word. And that's what he did for that lady. Amen. Give God some praise. Her testimony was simple. Come see a man who told me all I have ever done. Can this be the Christ? You bet. You bet. So one of the methods of witnessing is simply sharing everything Jesus has done for you. Was you there? Do you remember? Can you share it? We can also be prepared to explain the scriptures to folks. When somebody else has shared a testimony with them, when somebody else has been working on them as well as the Holy Spirit is working on them and they're curious. They're curious so they're, they're thumbing through the Bible. For some reason they land right in the midst of Leviticus. And they're talking about popping pimples and scraping the ooze and going and showing it to the priest. And they're like, wow, what's that got to do with anything? You ever read Leviticus? It's a nasty book. It's a smelly book. Mold and mildew. Pus and runny sores. Yeah, you, ain't, you ain't never read Leviticus, have you? It's there. In Acts chapter 8, Philip, a born-again follower of the Lord Jesus Christ, Philip the evangelist, he runs upon this eunuch one day on the side of the road and the eunuch is reading from the book of Isaiah. He's curious. He's just thumbing through the book. and He can't figure out what the book is saying. Again, not a happenstance. By the providence and the sovereignty of God, God led Philip to this eunuch this day so that Jesus Christ could save him from his sins. But Philip was prepared and willing. So Philip ran to him. Oh, how as a pastor, I long to see us running to lost people to share Jesus with them. Philip ran. Philip ran to him and heard him reading Isaiah the prophet and asked, Do you understand what you're reading? Philip initiates the conversation. Why? He's in tune with the Holy Spirit. He knows what God is up to. And the eunuch said, How can I understand? I'm lost. I'm undone. How can I understand unless someone guides me? Could that be you? Could that be me? 
the importance of knowing God's Word so that not only we can understand it for ourselves, but because we can explain it to others when they need the Word of God to come to faith. We've got to do better. We've got to do better. And he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. Now the passage of the scripture that he was reading was this. Like a sheep he was led to the slaughter. Who's he talking about? Yeah, Isaiah prophesying of the Messiah, the Lord Jesus Christ. He's reading about Jesus. Like a sheep he was led to the slaughter and like a lamb before its shearers is silent so he opened not his mouth. In his humiliation justice was denied him. Who can describe his generation? For his life is taken away from the earth. And the eunuch said to Philip, About whom, I ask you, does the prophet say this, about himself or about someone else? Then Philip opened his mouth, and beginning with this scripture, he told him the good news. So simple. I'm not speaking generically, but I'm telling you, every jot and every tittle, every period, every comma, every syllable, every letter, Jesus. Jesus. From Genesis 1-1 through the final verse in the book of Revelation, we're to explain and tell them about Jesus. It's about Jesus. We're to use prophetic gifts. We teach this in our Hope 300 class that every born-again believer has a shape. God has shaped you when God saved you and put the Holy Spirit in you from your mother's womb. He shaped you for the day of redemption so that you will serve Him all of your born-again days here on planet Earth sharing the good news, sharing the gospel with Jesus Christ. You. He gave you spiritual gifts. He gave you a heart. He gave you everything you need to be used for the kingdom to witness to others. 1 Corinthians. But if all prophesy and an unbeliever or an outsider enters... He is convicted by all. See, when people come to church for the first time at Hope in Christ... They need to leave this place saying that is a biblical, believing, preaching, teaching, living church. It's all about the Bible at Hope in Christ Fellowship. And it's all about the Bible because it's all about the Lord Jesus Christ. So that when people show up and they hear the good news of Jesus Christ going out from the pulpit through the songs during the fellowship in and out of church, anytime lost people encounter us, they know that we're all about Jesus. And when we share the good news with them, they become convicted of their lostness and their sins and the Holy Spirit draws them to the Lord Jesus Christ and God saves them and redeems them. He is called to account by, what does it say? Not just the pastor, not just the worship leader, not just the deacons, not just the team leaders, but by who? The secrets of his heart are revealed. The secrets of his heart are disclosed. And so falling on his face, 
he will worship God and declare that God is really among us. Another way of witnessing is asking tough questions. In the world in which we live today, we have a lot to answer for. The church no longer holds the standing it once held in our nation, in our state, in our community. Sadly, we deserve some of what we get in the form of criticism. Can I get an amen? Answering tough questions, Colossians chapter 4, verse 6. Let your speech always be gracious. But, but hush. Hmm? Shh. Let your speech always be gracious. Season with salt. Salt makes people thirsty. So regardless of how you have been treated or are being treated, you are to let your speech be gracious, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how you ought to answer each person. I think the Scripture is teaching us that we will meet many people, and with all people, with each person individually, we are to let our speech be gracious, seasoned with salt, so that we may know how we ought to answer each person. Words matter. How you talk to other people matter. Let your speech match your testimony. Through writing. What do you mean through writing? A lot of you people write a lot of stuff on Facebook. It's not always gracious. It's not always seasoned with salt. I know you got a First Amendment right. And I know I done quit preaching and went to meddling. I knew it'd get quiet. All of a sudden, all of a sudden, everybody's taking notes. You know who you are. God knows who you are. I ain't just talking about Facebook, but I've got a precious little lady right there, Miss Mary, who writes to me all the time. All the time. And God's timing is always perfect because I'll be low or I'll be down or I'll be tired. Miss Mary comes with that million-dollar smile. and says, Pastor, here's what the Lord laid on my heart. And she wrote it down, and she blessed me with it. Could you be a blessing to somebody by writing something down, simply passing it off to them, putting it in the mail, sending them an email, maybe a post on social media? Yeah, we have the ability to write, don't we? Believe it or not, people still read. John 20, 31, but these things are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ. Write things that will verify that Jesus is Christ, that Jesus is Lord, that Jesus is your Lord. The Son of God 
and that by believing they may have life in his name. This is not an exhaustive list. This is just some ideas of how you can witness to others. This week we had an engineer come in and he fitted all the seats with seat belts. If you'll reach back right now and get on both sides of you and buckle up and pull it tight, we're fixing to go on a ride. One of the primary ways of witnessing is not what you say, but how you live. And I'm going to beg you as your pastor this morning, if you ain't living it, don't be talking it. Get your living right before you start talking it because nobody's got time for a hypocrite. Nobody in this room is perfect. Never has been, never will be till we cross over the Jordan into heaven one day after a while. But in the meantime, we ought to be like John the Baptist. We ought to be decreasing so that he may increase. And holy living is at the forefront of everything we do in the Christian life. Holy living. Integrity. Integrity is who you are and what you do when nobody else is around. Holy living counts when you're all by yourself. Holy living counts when you're at your house inside the privacy of your own kingdom and your own castle. Holy living matters on the job. Holy living matters at Walmart and the gas station and at church and when you're taking a walk through the community. Holy living is extremely important. Matthew 5.16, Jesus said, In the same way, let your light shine before who? Why? So they may see the good works that's in your life that the Holy Spirit is producing, that God is producing, that the Lord Jesus Christ is producing, live in such a way that you're a light, not that you're blocking the light, not that you're eclipsing the light. Live in such a way that they may see your good works and they know it ain't you because you're a mess, you're a wreck just like I am. But they know if anything good's coming out of Steve Looper, there's got to be a God. That's God in him. I growed up with him. He's a knucklehead. I know him. That ain't him. He, 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 he's a preacher. He's a pastor. He's a Christian. That validates everything that book says. Because he's living a good life and he's doing things he's incapable of doing. That's God in him and through him. I'm going to give God glory for that. Living a holy life. Living a holy life. Not only by living a holy life, but through acts of devotion. Through acts of devotion. What are you most devoted to? What should we, as God's children, be most devoted to? Matthew's Gospel, chapter 26. Now when Jesus was at Bethany in the house of Simon the leper, a woman came up to him with an alabaster flask, a very expensive ointment. In times past, I, I knew the details of this, but I can't give them to you this morning because I come unprepared to share that with you. But when it says a very expensive alabaster flask, 
very expensive ointment. We're talking about, in our day, thousands and thousands of dollars worth of perfume in this bottle. She's a poor lady. She's devoted. She loves Jesus more than she loves her money, her stuff, her things, her house, her car, her property, her clothes, other people. She's all about Jesus. And she poured it on his head as he reclined at the table. Basically, she gave Jesus everything that had anything of monetary value and poured it over his head. Devoted. How? What manner are we to witness with others? It's got to be with love, church. It's got to be with love. Our calling, our mission is not to beat people into submission. Please don't do that. Please don't do that. Love them where they are. I didn't say love the sin. I didn't say love the lifestyle. Love the person. Love the people. Love them. Why? Because God loves them. And Jesus loves them. And if you belong to Jesus, you'll have no problem loving them if you belong to Jesus. Mark's Gospel, chapter 10, Jesus looking at him, loved him. That's a, that's a very important statement. Listen how it unfolds. This is the rich young ruler who came to Jesus and asked him what he must do to have eternal life. And Jesus told him to go sell everything he has give it away to the poor, and come back and follow him. But Jesus started out the conversation, how? Knowing that the young man was going to reject him because Jesus is all-knowing, but he still loved him. And Jesus, looking at him, loved him and said to him, you lack one thing, go sell all that you have and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven and come follow me. Jesus began the conversation Love. With love. Urgency. With urgency. We don't have time to play games. We, this is not a trick. This is not a gimmick. We don't have the promise of another heartbeat much less another afternoon, much less another day, another week, another month, another year. How are we to be witnessing as Hope in Christ Fellowship? How are you to be witnessing to your family, your friends, and others with love and with urgency? Do it now. Do it now. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. God making His appeal. How? Huh? Through us. Through us. Who's us? God, God's choice of doing things from Jesus forward is for the saved ones to go out and share Jesus with others so that they can get saved, so they can go share Jesus and others get saved, so they'll go share Jesus and others will get saved, and that's the process of multiplication. Therefore, we, 
Christians are ambassadors. All Christians are ambassadors of Jesus Christ. God using us to make His appeal through us. We implore you. This is urgent. Let's get this done now. We implore you on behalf of Christ. Be reconciled to God. Please be saved. Please believe. Please hear what I'm saying. Please hear what, how I'm saying it. And not only with urgency, but fearlessly. So I played the video, The Martyr. In biblical times, if you was an effective witness, most likely you would die witnessing. My understanding is all but one of the disciples were all martyred for their faith. Heads were chopped off. Some were burned alive. Peter was crucified upside down. Fearlessly. Fearlessly. See, what's this going to cost me? It may cost you your life. Do you love Jesus? Do you know Jesus? Fearlessly. Ephesians chapter 6, and also for me, that words may be given to me in opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel. Boldly is not hatefully. Boldly is with love. It's with urgency. And it's fearlessly. I'm going to tell you about Jesus. It may cost us our relationship, but it won't be on me because I'm doing it with love. And I'm doing it with urgency. But I'm doing it fearlessly. Love me or not, I want to tell you about the Lord Jesus Christ because I don't want you to die without God and spend eternity in hell. We do it fearlessly. And also for me, that words may be given to me in opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains. He's locked up in jail and they can't shut him up. He's still writing letters telling everybody, be saved, believe upon the Lord Jesus Christ, be saved, don't go to hell, be saved with urgency, with love, fearlessly in chains that I may declare it boldly as I ought to speak. But do it clearly and do it courteously. Be clear about your message. Jesus. Not church, Jesus. Not Baptist, Jesus. Not a denomination, Jesus. Be clear about what you're talking about. We ain't talking about religion, we're talking about a relationship. We're not talking about Buddha, we're talking about Jesus. We're not talking about Muhammad, we're talking about Jesus. And we do it courteously. Seasoned with grace. It's seasoned with love. 1 Peter 3.15 but in your hearts, because all the issues of life comes from where? Out of the heart. Out of the heart. But in your hearts, honor Christ the Lord as holy. As he is holy, be holy yourself. Always being prepared. Instant, in season and out of season. Always being prepared to make a defense to who? Anyone. Always be prepared wherever you are, whatever you're in the middle of doing, always be prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for the reason, for the hope that is in you. Who is the hope in you? The Lord Jesus Christ. 
Yet do it with gentleness and respect. That's the opening verses of the gospel according to Luke. He's pinning these words down so that we can go forward with certainty that what he saw and what he heard was who he saw and who he heard and that he himself experienced the Lord Jesus Christ personally and he's writing it down so we can do the same. And for a person to know to do good and they don't do it, it's sin. It's sin. We know to do this. We know to do this, don't we?